Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. All right, welcome back to another episode of Least Talk Forever. This is season two, episode one. Uh, we've dropped a couple things, including the jersey number. So that's on here. Kyle's back. Surprise, he's not at the ball game. Um, but then I guess it's in Boston, so he can't be in the ball game. I mean, I guess he could be. Anyways, uh, we got big, big things coming up uh, this season, uh, including one this this episode. Uh, we'll allude to a little bit later. Uh, without further ado, let's welcome Scott and Kyle in. Scott, let's hit it right with the headlines. There's a lot of things to talk about, and we got a short period of time because we are of our guest coming up. So, Scott, take it away. Yeah, so the first bit of news we have to talk to, which I think we're a little bit late on because we haven't been recording uh, episodes for a few weeks, is the Boreas uh, Salming health concerns. Um, he was diagnosed with uh, ALS which is a very, very serious disease illness. Uh, so hopefully he gets uh, the treatment he needs to, to battle that and can uh, can uh, stay on the hockey world a little bit longer. Yeah, isn't ALS the one that Steve Nockin had? Uh, yeah, and uh, Lou Gehrig. Yeah. yeah, I know that, but I mean, yeah, it's some people may not know who that is. Bad news that he got it. Lou Gehrig? N- yeah, like... Some people might only know Steve Knock because he just oh, died. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Daryl Siddler, I saw on Twitter, said that he uh, he knew a little bit before it was revealed to the public, and he was trying to uh, like he was always with him, taking like making sure he was okay. But yeah, that's a, a pretty big illness that he has to battle there. So let's hope he can uh, can fight it. Yeah, Until... I also heard that Toronto is is off is like helping him get the medical support that he needs. Not that he can really like. He'll probably get the best of best being for his homing and being wealthy, but yeah, yeah. it's kind of unfortunate. Boris yeah. Salming, Kyle looks like a young Boris Salming. Truthfully, a little bit, yeah. Throw throw a scar on his face, and oh yeah, we're trying the uh, the cameras on approach for this episode. So yeah, not that you'll be able to see it because no, recording. yeah, you'll just yeah. but you might hear us laugh. But Kyle yeah. does look like a young Boris Salming. Scott, yeah, he kind of looks like. Um, Oh, uh, Don Henley. Uh, what's his name there? Uh, the guy who does the painting. Oh, Bob Ross. <laughs> Bob, Bob Ross. Not even close. That's who Scott, Scott looks no. like. In fact, I'd Scott rather, could do I'd a ra- painting right now, and he, I'd be like, what was that, Bob Ross? No, no, no. <laughs> and I, I look like a young um, Shang Tatum. 
not even close. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I got told that one time. I was not like, you blind? Shantam's a sexy specimen. All right, let's move on to the next topic here. We got Dylan Ferguson signing a PTO uh, with Toronto. He's a goalie. He's probably going to be taking the place of Michael Hutchinson, who signed with Vegas a couple weeks back. Uh, I think that was actually one of the last episodes we were all here for he signed. So um, I don't really know much about him. I think he just, I don't even know how old he is. I think he played for Chicago Wolves uh, last year, maybe the year before, but I think he's like younger than 25. Point is, yeah, you'll probably never hear of him in the NHL. And Toronto also has, uh, what's his name? Dyson, Drayden, Dryden McKay. Oh, yeah. The the goalie, the Hobie Maker, Hobie Baker winner, whatever. Yeah, and he's served as, I think he comes back December after a six-month suspension for. um, And then with with both Murray and um, Sam Sonoff, Shogren will probably be in the minors as well. So there's a yeah. little bit of a log jam in the Marlies. He probably won't get unless much there's a chance, chance that to, Matt to Murray goes on. That could be a chance. Yeah. Well, yeah, but then the Ferguson won't, well, I don't think he'll get a chance to make the leaps. He'll, Oh no, no. And even then he'll probably be sniffing around backup. Sniffing jocks. Unless actually. He, unless he, super, <laughs> unless he surprises and, uh, makes an impression on the coaching staff or the video coaches or whoever. To, to get that chance to be the starter in the HL, but as of right now, he's he's just a depth signing, PTO, whatever you want. Yeah, to call. I mean, he, he there's a chance that he's obviously not going to be signed. For those who don't know, PTO means professional yeah. tryout. Uh, there's an amateur tryout too uh, for obviously amateur hockey players, um, but there's a chance that he just gets released from it, similar to Nikita. What's his name from last year? Gusev. Oh yeah, yeah, he, he got released from it. Yeah, and now he's in the KHL. Um, also, I saw today, I forget, let me find it. Um, I don't know who wants to take the next one. It's kind of a touchy right, subject, well, so let's... N- n- while while you're looking up that, we'll just jump into the Sandine because we're talking about signings and how his uh, contract negotiations with the Leafs have kind of stalled a bit. Uh, Kyle, you want to you wanna jump in on that one? Kyle's going to say, I haven't uh, watched hockey in a while because I've just been uh, sitting at the Jays' arena for uh, five months. <laughs> Yeah, Literally every, every time on. we every time we do a, a podcast, he's like, "Can't go at the Jays game." I'm just like, "Holy <laughs> Christ, you in love with Hazel May or something?" Yeah, totally. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what it is. Um, I think he's in love before the game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know how. <laughs> I don't know how it sounds for you guys, but all I heard was a whole bunch of robot talk, and then Kyle said he loves Arden Swelling. No. Apparently, I'm loving Um. Yeah. No. I mean. Anyway. <laughs> <laughs> now, maybe. Uh, okay. Anyways, um, yeah. I mean, I don't know. The uh, talks has kind of stopped. Uh, I don't know what our what's our pay at now. How much do we have in cap? Oh, we I think we're like. Today? I think we're like a million over or something. Million over. Okay. And I yeah. I heard there was the uh, they they thought about trading someone. 
Uh, yeah, rumored, same as the last time at the beginning of the offseason, Kerfoot, Hall, Muzzin, those are the big three that are supposed to be. Yeah. Um, uh, I don't see that happening at this point. But I, I read something a couple of days ago that if uh, if they have to trade Sandine, that, like, they're – the, there could be something with, uh, like, a, the team like the Canucks. I, I read something uh, online, and they have some forward de- forward depth that they'd probably be looking to give away. Yeah, hey, you know what sucks about the Zandine thing? If remember Travis Dermott, obviously here last year, he got like five years, and he sucked like all five of those years. Rasmus Sandin proved last year in what fifty-four games, fifty-five games, that he could be a potential like top four player for the Leafs, like defenseman. And this guy's just getting kicked out of town because he wants a little bit more than what they're offering. And everyone's just like, Oh, he sucks. Like, you're an idiot if you think that. If if Rasmus Sandin got the same leash that Travis Dermott did, he would be like the third best defenseman on the team. Well, true, but I also think it's a little bit of a different situation because when Dermot got his contract, Toronto had more cap space. Yeah, I know, but like, so I'm I don't not, think I'm not the issue Toronto, is that Sandine wants. I'm not saying Toronto, the team. I'm saying like the fans are saying, get rid of this plug because he sucks. Meanwhile, they are all in love with Travis Dermot when when he legitimately sucked. Oh, uh, yeah, I, that's fan Toronto fans for you. They're usually the opposite of what should be happening. I think he wants the, the same contract as I forget who who he is. Um, he plays for Columbus. He just signed, like, uh, middle of July. Nyquist? No, not Nyquist. Andrew Peak or whatever? Andrew Peak. Maybe. He signed, like, 2.75 or something like that, like, for three years. And Charles offered him no more than what Lilligram got, which was, what, like, 1.5? Yeah, somewhere around there. If, if Charles doesn't sign him, they're, they're dumb, I think. If Charles doesn't sign him and trades him and trades him to a team, whatever team, Everyone's always going to say Canucks in Detroit because of the Swedish heritage. But uh, if if they sign him, I feel like or don't sign him, I feel like and trade him, I feel like he's going to be the type of guy that just uh, every time he plays Toronto, he's going to be four or five points. Like he's just going to try and crush it. There's no reason why Toronto yeah. should be giving up on him. And, and the simple solution is Jake Muzzin would solve so many other issues if they trade him. So why are we keeping a walking bandit? Actually, you shouldn't even worry about it because Jake Muzzin's going to block one shot in the first game and be sprawled out on the ice, getting stretched off. Like that's just always what happens. So why are we why are we wasting time on him? And yeah. also, if we trade Sandine, we only have one, or I guess technically two right-handed or left-handed defense. Oh wait, three. Actually, just kidding. We got four. never mind. Mute point. We're moving <laughs> on. <laughs> um. It was uh, it was Adam Boquist, <laughs> I think that you're thinking of. Yeah, that's him. Scott's just yeah. dying over here. Six years. No, I knocked over my trash can. I was. Oh, I thought you were laughing. No. Yeah, it's Adam. Um, who? Adam Boquist. The guy, yeah. the big player they got in the Jones deal from yeah. uh, Chicago. Three years, two point six a year. So you're saying he wants something along the lines of that? Yeah, apparently that's the comp that he's using. Instead of Lilligren. And he wants to, I heard that he wants to stop being tied into being the next Lilligren. Like they're always saying him and Lilligren are like two peas in a pod and they'll, whatever, line mates, best friends. Apparently he doesn't want that. He wants that to stop. So I'm going to keep doing it. Like <laughs> just, just based on his potential and the fact that the player he could be, I, 
I don't know why you're not trying to clear some more cap space to sign him. Yeah, I heard. I think Nick Lindstrom actually. Yeah, I, I don't. I wouldn't say that, but. <laughs> but like, and if and there's no rumors of them actually trying to move him. Like Kyle read report like a story, but like there's no like that's the first time I heard anybody talk about moving Sandine. Other it's than that, it was it's. Sorry, what was that, Kyle? It was just an idea from uh, from something I read. But no, then... yeah. That was the first time I ever heard. Yeah, exactly. Anybody. So, like, obviously they're trying to negotiate. So why wouldn't you be trying to move a piece to clear cap to bring them back in? It just doesn't make sense to me. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, so, yeah, as Kyle said, talks have kind of fallen off. And Luke Fox reported that apparently there's, like, legitimately nothing going on. Like, there hasn't been any negotiations in a while. It's it's so dead. But when he was on uh, Sportsnet Radio just the other day, I think it was like last Thursday or whatever, he had mentioned that there's no like no trade um, discussions yet. So we'll see what happens. They have till December first to sign him, or he uses loses this whole year. And as of December first, they teams can't sign him. But after if they if they don't sign him by December first, he loses the year, can't play, and then that July first he becomes a UFA. So Toronto's gonna lose him. So. No. Remember what happened with Nylander and how he didn't play? Yeah. Do you think this could happen with Sandine? Yeah, but if it waits till, like, what's the last day of November 3rd, 1st, right? If it waits till then, Toronto's going to have to pay that cap penalty for him sitting out for that long. So if they sign him to $2 million, they're probably going to have to pay, like, 2.25 or, well, they'll have to pay the two, uh, uh, whatever it is, 250000 500000 They won't pay the $2 million, obviously. Uh, at that time, but yeah, it's going to be the same. And that people are going to be like, "Why do we sign Sandine to three million dollars?" Because people are idiots and can't just look it up. But yeah. fun fact: there are actually only thirty days in November. Oh, is there? Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Scott probably did that thirty days past November, May, June, July, whatever the song you sing. No, I just I just looked up on my phone. Oh, what a nerd! Um, I just uh, I don't know. <laughs> I think. Uh, Sandy and Lilligren are good options, and I would I would only almost prefer this situation to be happening with Lilligren because isn't uh, what's his name Toby Nimala or Nimala? Isn't he right-handed? Yeah, he is. So then him and Sandy, I just don't understand. I would just be like Kyle Dub is just. I feel like he's trying, or whoever's handling this. I heard that it's actually Brandon Freedom who handles most of the contract discussions, but it just seems like this needs to be more. Well, front burner. Uh, however, with that, let's seg- segue into all of the UFAs that are still available. Like Phil Kessel just signed last night. There's still PK Subban that's available. Sonny Milano, like uh, Tyler Mott, who was a sought-after player at the deadline. Like it's 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 because of the cap, obviously. But these players are are almost pricing themselves, uh, pricing themselves out of getting a contract. Like most of these guys are going to be signing PTOs or signing for cheap money to try and play. So it's not just Toronto that's in this situation. And I guarantee if it was 2025 and this was happening with Sandine, they'd be using that money to sign them, obviously. But they don't have it. So like, I'm just curious, what's your guys' thoughts? Like, this is kind of a weird year. Yeah, I, uh, I'm surprised the Sonny Milano. Like, he, he didn't have the best of years last year, but he had a good year. He had, what, 34, 35, in and around the 35-point range. Uh, so I thought even like a lower level team that's rebuilding or on the cusp of making the playoffs, like uh, Ottawa or Buffalo or whatever, 
would have taken a chance at him. But uh, yeah, it's been a weird year, and even Kadri just signing was was really odd to me too. I yeah. don't I don't know what's going on. Well, I think it's weird with San, uh, with uh, Zegers because, or sorry, Milano because him and Zegers were so. Um, I mean, I'm not speculating that they're best friends or anything, but they were so in sync. Like there was that flip play when they flipped the puck over the net. Uh, Zegers was right in front of the net when, uh, sorry, Milano when Zegers did the uh, Michigan. Like it just seems like maybe Anaheim kind of shit the bed a little bit. Like maybe they should have kept him. Maybe maybe there's something behind the scenes that people don't know. Yeah, there's. And, I mean, there's got to uh, be like some kind of personality thing that Anaheim just doesn't want to reveal because they don't want to seem petty or whatever. But well, there's, there's got to be something going on as to why he hasn't gotten a contract yet. And it's it's that could make sense because Columbus really didn't give him a chance. Yeah. Well, so. I mean, at the time that wasn't Colum- like not that they were the best team in the league, but they were around the wild card. Yeah, that's true. That's when, like, John Tortorella, before him, right? Yeah, it was. It, was, it yeah. was, like, during his time, just like, around the – he was with them when they swept Tampa Bay. Yeah. But he didn't get the solid, like, second, third-line chance. I think he played, like, last-line minutes, and then that was it. He might have played a little bit higher than that, but I don't think he's had more than 40 points in a year, so. Yeah. But um, in regards to the other – in regards to the other UFAs, it could just be a mix of age or, or roster, or money, I, like you said. But I, I, I feel like rosters play a big, like the size of players' rosters currently play a big role in, and the guys not getting contracts as of this point. Like, excuse me. Some people are I've seen are saying, like they're not even sure Pika Ben will play again. Like some people are saying he'll sign, he'll sign with a competitor. Some people I've heard her say say Tampa would be an option for him, but then there's other because he's friends with Tampa as well as them being competitor. But also I've heard like people say he might be a, a later in the year signing, but because he does yeah. he does things on like NBC or whatever it is ESPN in the states. Like some people are saying that he might like he could sit on a year. If not, that could be it. Just be an analyst for a year or whatever. Yeah, like I don't know exactly what the like what he would do. I don't know. I guess he's more of a character because he's got a cool personality. But it just seems kind of strange. Like two years ago, what was it? Actually, I guess it was more than five years ago, four years ago. This guy was traded for Shea Weber, and it was like one of the biggest deals in modern era. Yeah, but and now didn't he have that? Didn't he have a severe knee injury or something that kind of decreased his play a bit when he was? tail end of Nashville, New Jersey. Yeah, but like, still you think P.K. Saban's available, someone would sign him for the year. Like, Zach Bogosian got four years last year with Tampa, and he, like, I would say P.K. Saban's probably better than him. That's just weird to me. I could see him going and signing, like, around the deadline, be a deadline acquisition to boost your defense going into the playoffs for a contending team. Don't take the chance on him for the full year, but make sure he's in shape by the trade deadline and then give him a contract then. So I heard this rumor, actually, and this is kind of like a a rental signing. This is pure rumor, but I I know a couple people that went to a hockey tournament, whatever, and I guess at the hockey tournament, it was at the MasterCard Arena. So those of you that don't know, that's Toronto's practice facility. 
and uh, I guess Mark Shifley was there, Jeff Skinner was there, tons of local local people, Mitch Marner, all this other stuff. Well, allegedly, because the band was on the ice practicing before skating around, and I get apparently he was so worried about his girlfriend in the stands, like he just wasn't paying attention to trying skating, anything like that. Like I don't know exactly why they were there if they were just training before, but I guess he was like skating around waving at his girlfriend, like which apparently is what he was like with Lindsey Vaughn. Is that her name? Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, maybe it's, maybe it's not girls, like not, they're not the issue, but maybe it's his issue with, with girls, like dating girls as he focuses too much on that. It doesn't focus on his hockey career. I don't know, but it just seems like that would just be a waste of a, well, not, not that a waste of a career, but like he could still produce 20, 30 points. Yeah. Even if I thought it was going to be a Buffalo, like his brothers with Buffalo, he's closer to Toronto. Even if, even if it's his last year, I just thought it would have been like, I, I never expected this situation to happen where it's what day is it? August 25th. And like John Klinberg signed two weeks ago, Phil Kessel signed last week, Tyler Mott again, who was like sought after by so many teams, including Toronto. And now I guess it's price. Nazem Kadri signed for seven times seven, which we'll get into but it's like it, it's got to be it's got to be the cap yeah i mean it's, some people's situation it could be age it, i think it gets to the point where it's kind of like a uh it's a weird term to use but like supply and, and demand like do you, at this point there's they're bringing up this is the way i look at it is that they're bringing up the young guys a lot earlier than what they used to and these younger guys are kind of pushing like the middle agers out, but it also does have to relate to your salary cap um, talk. And back when the veterans, let's say 34 to 40, because that's roughly, I'd say what, what the age of the average veteran is in the NHL, who's had five, anywhere from five to 10 years um, in the NHL. Um, that was when they'd get the, veterans minimum and all this and now you're looking at players like Sonny Milano, Sam Steele um, and they're low to mid-20s and they don't even have a spot on a team like what are they going to do go and play in Sweden or something like that is another one I forgot to mention and you mentioned Sam Steele he's what 23 years old and he yeah, just he just I think he just needs to change the scenery like he'll probably end up getting a PTO and then he'll have a breakout year and even if it's 40 points, but it's like, I don't know. In my mind, it's like the way that the game's transitioning, Toronto doesn't need to have like as much as all these guys and, and, and women and girls and whomever are going to say we need William or we need Wayne Simmons. We need Kyle Clifford. Like what happens if Toronto signed Sam Steele to the, to the David camp deal two years, 1.5 or whatever it was. And then, by the deadline, Sam Steele's now replaced kind of Kerfoot's production. And now we have a 23-year-old guy and we could trade Kerfoot or we just pop Kerfoot out. You know what I mean? Like there could be so many options for teams and not even just for Toronto. Like like look at, I don't know, let's just say uh, Montreal's not a good example. Uh, Ottawa. Ottawa could use a person like Sam Steele as well. Like I know they've got a lot of depth, but it's like this is an angel, an angel caliber player who's who's finding himself probably working out waiting for a contract and these guys are probably holding out till the very end i forget who it was i can't find it but someone just signed um 
in Russia, and I was surprised by it. I don't remember, but it was a hockey player just out of Russia, and I was surprised. Maybe, actually, maybe I'm thinking about Taco Fall. Actually, remember I sent it to you last night? Oh yeah, you signed in. Yeah, China. Or maybe I just got whatever. confused. Yeah. Basketball uh, player. Basketball. Yeah, yeah, basketball player. He's like seven foot seven, and he signed in China, which I was surprised. Maybe that was what I saw. What? I just got confused. What's, what's happening now? Not so much with Sam Steele, Sonny Milano, the younger guys, but like how there's like a lot of veterans who are signing late maybe not even signing at all in the case of, like, a Subban. It kind of reminds me of, like, the early like 2003, four to, like, 2009 when, like, Sidney Crosby, Patrick Kane, Jonathan Taves, Ryan Getzlaff, all of them were coming into the league. And the, all the young guys were replacing all the veterans, and you had a whole bunch of guys who were career NHLers, just not with teams, having to go play in Europe or retiring because there was no room on the rosters for them. Yeah, that's true. That's, like, when Joe Nundek was a Frasian almost all summer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. It's so, just yeah, weird. Oh, well, yeah, but, I mean, it, I guess it's only weird because we're used to them being big-name guys in the NHL, but... Well, true. And it just shows right. that, like, reporters and analysts and insiders aren't 100% accurate because they said this was going to be a wild offseason, which it was. Like, it's it's wild, that's for sure, but it's not as wild as I thought. Like, they well, thought like the it was going to be... The first couple of days were pretty... Yeah, but, like, they thought John Klinberg would have been gone, now Kadri would have been gone... And now, but, like, you want to get into the Cadre thing? Because I, I feel like Cadre yeah. wanted to stay in Colorado. And he was just waiting. That's why he waited so long. Because he was waiting for them to not necessarily give him the contract he needed, but make sure that the roster was set to a point where he could get that contract he wanted. Oh, come on. They just, he was waiing for the Islanders. Oh, yeah, yeah. Sorry. <laughs> it just never happened. So he, he signed with a team that, that gave him the, the, the best contract based on what he wanted. Which in this case was Calgary. Yeah, that's. I, I, I feel like what that's, I, happened. that's actually probably accurate because apparently it was just term with other teams. It was term, but with Colorado, it was like he. I don't think he cared. But I've heard that, like just on podcasts and stuff, it's just it's term that he wanted. He wanted the seven years, and people weren't prepared to ask over five until Calgary thought, "Well, we literally just have a bag of pucks for our team. We need to bring in Nazem Kadri." Yeah, yeah, I mean, we can get into it. Scott already knows my opinion. We'll start with you, Kyle. The Huberto for Kachuk. You got Goudreau leaving. You bring in Huberto, who's a 100-plus point player. You sign up for 10.5. Yeah, but you sign Huberto for 10.5 for eight years. And then you trade Monahan to make room for Kadri, and you sign up for seven for seven. He's 32 years old. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, uh, I, th- I think his numbers were kind of infl- inflated last year because of the fact that um, McKenna was it McKenna who was hurt a lot of the year. Yeah, McKenna was hurt a lot of the year, and he got to pl- therefore he took over Land- with Landeskog and Rantanen. And when you're playing between those two, um, pa- power play one with McKen with Landeskog, Rantanen, Makar himself, and um, I guess the other one would have been Burakovsky. That's an elite power play right there. Um, your numbers are definitely going to be inflated. So, um, seven years, seven million. I mean, he's yeah, like you said, he's thirty-two. Um, it's a risk, and I don't think his point production is going to be the same as it was this year, just because the team that he played for and who he was playing or playing with. Um, but Calgary, he's he's going to go there play on the. Uh, I guess yeah, I guess he's the first line center there. Yeah, that's the weird thing is some people were saying 
Uh, I forget who it was. I mean, Cam and Strict, obviously, because they don't they don't like Dodger very much. But some people are saying that it's going to be Elias Lindholm who's the top on center. It's going to be like Huberdeau, uh, Elias Lindholm, and whoever else. Maybe Mangiapane. I don't know. I don't think you can do that. Um, Lindholm's a passer. Huberdeau's a playmaker, too, is he not? Yeah, I would just put Kadri on that line. Yeah. Like, Huberdeau, Kadri, and Mangiapane would be a good good guy. Yeah, it just seems... Kadri, Kadri can pass, it, pass the puck pretty well, too. Um as we've seen in the years in Toronto. Um, but um, that's what I would do. I don't – Elias Lindholm, I don't see him. Like, I, I'd probably put Lindholm with uh, Toffoli and someone else because Lindholm's a playmaker as well. You got Toffoli, who's a shooter. Um, but, yeah, back to your contract talk, I think it was too much. I think Kadri took advantage of the fact that he had a good year in Colorado and the fact that he was playing for that team and the players around him and he took it to his advantage and now he's got this good big contract. I don't think he's really worth that. Um, I'd maybe give him six, but yeah, his points his points this year did it for him because if you look at his past years, it wasn't like that. Yeah, good riddance to your DMs, buddy. If anyone listens to this who's a Codger fan, they're going to be ripping you like no tomorrow, man. But 39 years old, then that contract. I mean, it's not the 7 million that's that's weird to me. Like 7 million for Codger, uh, that's so to me, 7 million is like kind of mid, like, you know, like a Nylander tier player. But it's the, the fact that he's going to be 39. And like I said to you today, Scott, like Calgary is probably going to be rebuilding by the time seven years passes so it's basically like a three-year window that they have and i think hubero is going to come out this year and be as close to 100 points as he can get uh obviously he he is a notoriously good player but also i think he's going to be playing with a little bit of a chip on his shoulder to prove like you, you gave up on me it's so funny because so the camera trick podcast had andrew burnett on who also got effed over by florida and he said like Hubro carried that team for five years during last year during Barkoff when they had basically 40 people in the fan, in the stands that were actually Florida fans. Not everyone else was like a Montreal fan and Ottawa fan, whoever came to visit them. And then they just say, sorry, we need to get tougher. And they bring him out to get Chuck. Like he's going to be the all-time savior. Like this guy got shelled against Milan Lucic, Evander Kane and, and McDavid. Could you imagine him on a, on a team where you're, you're playing, in the first round, say you play Tampa and you've got Maroon, uh, you've got Stamkos, you've got Kucherov, you've got, and Kucherov's kind of a dick. Like we learned that, you know, like you've got all these players, they're going to, they're going to, they're going to basically force you into taking penalties that you don't want to take because Matthew Kachuk is that type of player. Like he'll go after Kucherov and Kucherov will just be laughing at him. Like, it just, it, it confuses me that people are like, oh, Florida got better and Calgary didn't. Like, yeah, Calgary, I think they got better, to be honest. Like, for right now, like, play style, I think they got better. Maybe not point production, maybe not. Maybe they'll never win. But I think, like, Goudreau and Huberto kind of cancel each other out. And I think, I mean, eh. But I don't like Matthew Kitschek, so that's why I say Calgary. I, I don't really think Florida did get better. Oh, no, no sorry. Did I say Florida? They just replaced. I meant Calgary, sorry. No, you, no, no, I'm agreeing with you. I'm agreeing with you. 
Oh, you did oh. say, okay. But yeah, either way, like I don't think they're replacing one 100-point player with another, but they, they lost so much that they didn't, the additions they made compared to the departures, like it's, I think their team got worse, which makes my prediction there, what was that, three months ago? So much better. Yeah. And the, the crazy <laughs> thing is, is everyone's, everyone's just looking at players and who they brought in and who they didn't. Like, no one, no one's actually talking about the fact that they don't have a pick for, like, the next six years. Yeah. They don't have a first-round pick for at least five years because a first-round pick to went to Sherrod, Ben Sherrod, who signed four times four in, in Detroit. Not first line or first round material. Obviously, as a rental player, it, it was sure. And then they gave up a first for Giroux, who scored like collective seven points for them, including the playoffs. Yeah. Like it just seems like all all over. If they if they finish say mid, like they they are just outside of a lottery pick and they don't make the playoffs, I bet you any money like that that fan base is going to be calling for Billy Zito or whatever his name is head. I doubt it. You don't? Like, I they traded Hero. Apparently, fans are already mad about that. They're only happy because they got Matthew Kachuk because apparently he's this all-time savior. Meanwhile, he hasn't won. He's won less in the NHL than Austin Matthews, and Austin Matthews is considered a bum. The only thing Matthew yeah. Kachuk won was a hissy fit award after Jake Muzzin shot the fuck at him, and he, like, couldn't even open up the open up the bench door. And then he turned around and screamed at his teammates, like, protect me! Yeah. <laughs> like, You're acting like a baby. This This... This may just be the stereotype I'm I'm buying into, but to me it it always just struck me as like besides maybe last year, but I don't really think Florida fans deep down care that much. Like obviously yeah. they care now because their team is the best team in the East, coming out of the best team in the East anyway. But I feel like if they if the next couple of years they're just a wildcard team and then and then after that they drop back down, I I feel like it'll just go back to the way it was where they have some fans in the stands, but more overall. Most of the fans just don't care. That's true. That's like Tampa Bay. To me. Like fans still don't care that they won two of three. They only care when it's, play- it's playoff time. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, I don't. I. I mean, and then in Calgary's case, like you lost Sean Monahan, which unfortunately he was injured a lot. Like it's it's not a yeah. big loss to them, but if he's healthy. Like I think extremely healthy, then I think that he could be a decently big impact player. I think I think that's a big, not a big gamble, but that's what Montreal's gambling on is that he'll stay healthy and go back to the player he used to be. But yeah. to me, for a guy who's going to be what middle six for them, I don't feel like that's a big enough gamble to take. Also, they, they got a first round pick. Montreal or Calgary? yeah, Montreal. And do you see the conditions on that? It's like yeah. choose your own adventure. It's like any pick from now to 2026, I think they get to choose. I don't know the actual conditions on the pick, but it's like legitimately Calgary said like all the, they have like five first round picks or six first round picks in the next like four years. And Montreal gets to choose one of those picks. It's crazy. And like, that's, well, that's that just to take be- on the $6 million contract. If, if I was Montreal, I'd pick like four years from now. When yeah. Adrian Huberto are 35 years old and they're starting to drop back down the standings and they need those first round picks. And that's valid because also um, just alone with Calgary like how they how they could be like Montreal already has so many picks for this year and potentially next right? Yeah. Yeah I don't know man. I thought Josh Anderson would have been traded. 
focused on Montreal, but I mean, they're the team that they, they, that this, wow. What the way that this team is set up reminds me kind of similar to how Toronto was set up before they got Austin Matthews. How they just had a whole, I mean, Mo- Montreal has a better version of that team. Like Toronto has Sean Mathias on their second line, PA Parento. Like, but the way that Montreal set up with Hoffman, with Dadnov, uh, now Anderson, who's kind of on his way out, Sean, Sean uh, Monahan, it just seems like they're ready. These players could be dealt at the deadline if they have good years to bring in more picks, potentially bringing Montreal down a bit. Obviously, Carey Price is going on the IL for long-term injury list probably for until he retires. So, yeah, it kind of strikes me as like they got Slavkovsky and the next 13 picks or 12 picks of this year's, this year's draft is just apparently outstanding. Like there are some of the players are just insane. So, I mean, obviously Bernard and Michkov, but like, I don't know. It just seems like everyone thinks Montreal is getting all these guys to compete. I I don't, I don't necessarily think that I think they're going to do better than what they did, but I think they're going to do just good enough to get a lottery pick. I don't see them doing much better. They, they they have the young guys like Caulfield and that coming back. They have the veterans, Monahan, if he does well, whatever. But I, I don't think that they're going to do they'll, – they'll do better than they did last year, but I don't think it'll be like everybody's saying it's going to be where they're fighting for a wild card spot. I feel like they'll be still bottom three, bottom four, 15, 16 points out of a wild card spot. It's also worth noting, uh, Nylander and Caulfield, like they're not – Duly similar, but let's just throw this out there. Slavkovsky, although he was picked one, Toronto picked Marner with like in the top ten. And then, if if Montreal got a potential say top ten pick again, and then they picked say let's just say Mishkov with five, there's the Marner, Mishkov, Slavkovsky, Matthews, Nylander, Kof, uh, Caulfield, like the top three, the big three that your team's got through drafting. It kind of just seems like, like it's almost almost identical to what to what Toronto did. Just obviously, maybe potentially different first round picks, like in different times. But if that's the case, I mean, I'm I'm kind of happy because if Montreal's good, Detroit's good, Ottawa's good, Toronto's good. Boston's gonna struggle probably after this year. Tampa Bay's not gonna be good forever because they just gave eighty million dollars to four players, um, <laughs> and then. Oh, yeah, Buffalo's also going to be good. And then Florida's pretty much just going to be like Matthew Kachuk in two years is just going to say he doesn't want to play. He wants to play in St. Louis. And then their team's going to just be Sasha Barkov, who to me, I, I would, I don't. He'll eventually want out. He'll eventually yeah. go. But it's like, I'm indifferent about him. Like, I, I'm not going to say he's super good. He's not super bad. But like, I think this wave, Toronto should be a little bit scared because these next wave of teams, like, Toronto needs to make sure in the next couple of years that they can balance the cap and compete. I mean, obviously they will compete, but I don't. I think it will be embarrassing for Toronto to be the fourth or fifth team in that division when in the next couple of years they could be the perennial first round or first overall in that division. But it's exciting because all the teams that were so bad through like the last 10 years are now forcing their way up. And like Boston, I hope that Boston tanks or not tanks sucks. Like yeah. I hope they, I hope they don't tank, but I hope that they suck for a while. I feel like if they were going to tank, they wouldn't have brought um, Bergeron and Krejci back. 
and I forget who Richie. was. I th- yeah, Richie. yeah. I think it was on the Drop in the Gloves podcast with 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 John Scott. He was saying like, I don't know how he has an in with the team, and he's like super close to pa- uh, Pasternak. But apparently, he was saying like Bergeron was at a second factor in Pasternak. So if Bergeron leaves this year, like this coming year, and it doesn't resign and retires, then and Pasternak's contract's over, he thinks like that's it. Like, well. I think I saw, I'm sure you guys saw this the other day. Pastor Knox said something about, like, I'm tired of a team that keeps losing or whatever, and he's basically saying, like, he wants to win. No, oh, come to Toronto. <laughs> <laughs> uh, was this, like, an interview? I didn't, I didn't see that. I thought it was an article or something. I mean, I'll, I'll double-check it. Yeah, I think that was the article that he had, like, with the, uh, it was, like, translated. I think I saw that. Like not the article we read, but there was like a translation article because you had it yeah. like Russia or Europe or whatever. Hmm. And um that means Brad Marchand will probably want out too. And let's be real, he'll probably go to Pittsburgh to try and yeah, play but, with I mean he'll he's already what, thirty four, thirty three? Yeah, and he's coming off hit double hip surgery like Yeah, so even if he does leave, I don't see years from but, now it won't be that big of a deal because he'll be pretty much retirement age and just a depth guy to yeah. bring in to, to add balance to your team. He's not the, the star player anymore, I don't think. No, I don't think so. Um, once Kyle finds out this article and whatever, we'll move on to uh, a little bit more uh, somber topic. And then um, we'll take a break. We'll come back with our recording. Also, we'll take a second here to, rem- to remind you that September 8th, we're coming back full-time. We took a little bit of time off the summer. We're taking this week off because, this coming week, because it's Labor Day in Canada. I, I don't know if Labor Day is in America. I don't know. I don't think it is. To be honest, I really don't care that much. Um, and then Kyle's like a Labor Day queen, so he's going to be partying up with his buddies at the cottage, fishing, you know, getting getting hammered, texting the group chat saying that he loves us, whatever, whatever he's going to do. And then we'll give him a time to recover. We'll come. He'll come back September eighth. If anything, Kyle, I hope you send me a video of you seeing "I Have the Tiger," because that'd be our theme song. Oh, of course, that's a uh, that's a given. But uh, I don't know. I can't find this article or whatever it was. But I'm pretty sure I saw saw something said like that. Maybe we're not passionate. If you're different. if Pasternak is secondary losing, come to Toronto. All we do is win. I, I read. I read a report of someone who said they were tired of losing or whatever. I'm not surprised. It was something along the lines of that. I thought it was Pasternak. Maybe it wasn't. But someone said our team needs to step step it up. And it it was a team that makes it to the playoffs, but, like, keeps losing and losing. Toronto? (laughs) (laughs) I I wouldn't be surprised if you did say that. how, How the team's looking. Next year, probably both Bergeron and Krejci are retiring. Marshawn, like we just mentioned, isn't probably going to be the same player he was in the last couple of years. So that pretty much just leaves Marshawn to try to do it all himself. I got a little I theory. Want, I wouldn't want to be in that situation. I got a little theory, guys. So let's just say Pashnak leaves, okay? I'm just going to say it. Let's just say he signs with uh, name a team, any team, uh, any kind of Arizona Tigers. Okay, let's just say Arizona, sure. If Sorry, I think that there's a chance, okay, so Logan Cooley, this is perfect, actually. Logan Cooley's one. 
there. If Pasternak say sign with Arizona, let's just say this happens, and Nylander doesn't sign with Toronto, I think that Nylander is going to be the Paul George, Kawhi Leonard situation because Pasternak and Nylander are like best friends. I think that if, if Pasternak goes to a new team and he's kind of the top dog, he's the top G, I think that Nylander is going to be like, I'm out. I'm going to play with my buddy. And I love Nylander, and I hope that this doesn't happen. But just almost is too good to be true to think like Nylander's a UFA. The same year as Matthews, so their focus is just going to be on Matthews. Unless they can get it done throughout the season. Their focus is just plainly going to be on Matthews. And also, just for anyone listening, July 1st is supposed to be this July 1st coming up. It's supposed to be free agency. So July 1st, 2023 is when Toronto can, can attempt to sign Matthews. Hopefully Nylander too. But I think that Nylander is going to be like just under the radar. It's going to be like the Kawhi Leonard situation with Matthews. Like they're going to be following this guy, the freaking uh, personal camera, just to see where he is on the 401. Yeah. Or Gardner Express. Hope the NHL doesn't turn into NBA. It just seems like it. It just, it seems like it could. Like it seems like with Bill Daly says the cap's going to be going up quite a bit by 2024, 2025. It just almost seems like if Nylander's done in Toronto, he's done in the media, and he goes to play, even if it's freaking – I don't even know another team, man. I don't even know another team that's kind of that bad. It's, let's just say Seattle even. Like, Pashnak goes to Seattle. I think that you're going to see a world where Nylander could potentially go because they're good friends. And then they could both be the top G, and then they're moving on, you know? Kyle, you know did, what top G's from? Pardon me? Uh, did he say what the cap was supposed to be at when Matthews no. and I thought it no? Because Matthews I, and it's huh? rumored that Matthews is going to want what fifteen? Yeah, 15 so million on his contract? McKinnon's supposed to want the the biggest contract in NHL history, which I think it, he asked for north of thirteen. He's asking for, and then they're estimating that Matthews is going to break that until potentially, probably either McDavid comes available McDavid. or like a uh, Connor Bernard. But yeah, it's uh, like so. That's hypothetical. Hypothetical, it goes up five million in two years, and they give Matthews an extra four million dollars in salary on his contract, and they're not going to be able to afford Nylander anyway. Exactly, because Nylander's not going to want seven million dollars again. Well, He's going to want like nine plus. The other good thing about that, I'm not saying this is going to cause or save all issues, because I think this. So the year after Nylander and Matthews, or maybe that year. That they're free agents. I think Sandine's con. Well, Sandine doesn't have a contract, but Lilligan's contract comes off. Comes off like he'll be opening or bargaining for a new one. I think that also means Muzzins and Brody's comes off. Kerfoot would be gone, so there could be a chance, but they're going to have to really use it. But I, I, I saw a graph the other day, or maybe this is months ago, that it was estimated by 2025. It was supposed to go up eight million. And I, what's it at now? Eighty-two. So maybe ninety. Yeah, ninety. Yeah. But still, like even if Toronto gives Matthews half. Left the upgrade by then, or the the increase. Then I I, I still don't think Nealander is going to be on the team, and I really like Nealander. He's like my second favorite player on the team. I just feel like it's it's inevitable if, that uh, people are going to be people are going to piss him off the second that he uh, has a bad a um, a bad forecheck or whatever. People are going to be get this get this plug off the team, and he doesn't seem like that type of guy that cares. But I think eventually he's going to be run out of town. Yeah. Um, and then Marner Tavares of the year after, right? Yeah, Mar- yeah Marner Tavares of the same year. 
Marner's so, definitely. I mean, uh, their focuses are going to be Matthews and the, or Matthews and Marner, obviously. Yeah, but hopefully by then, Nimala, Hervin, and Matthew Nyes, and a couple of these other prospects that they've been developing the last. Yeah, that are, kid that they drafted this year. What was his name? Second um, year or second round? Um, oh, Moldenhauer. No, no. Uh, uh, Min Fraserman. Fraserman. And then they um, also have uh, Amarov, who's supposed to be skating soon by December. They said. Yeah. So. But I don't. I don't know if any of them will be eighty-point players to replace. But even if they're like fifty, sixty, and then develop into an eighty, I feel like Toronto would just be okay with letting Nylander walk because they have those other young guys to replace them. I just feel like if if they get the vibe, like if I was the GM of Toronto and I got the vibe that. Like say this coming July first, you talk to Nylander and he's saying, "Okay, that's it." I would say I would give him to Christmas by that year and say, "Like we're not waiting past the deadline. You're going to give us an answer. We're not doing the Johnny Goudreau situation. We're not doing the Matthew Kachuk situation. Like if you're gone, you need to tell us that you're gone. If you're thinking about testing the market, because then we will opt to try and move you. Because I think Toronto could get like it's it's Will Nylander. Like they're going to get something. They could get two players that make half of what he makes." You know what I mean? Like they could get uh, whomever and, and and bring in that player or two players that that make half and could put up the round. Even if you're missing twenty points, thirty points, it's still something, right? Even if it's picks for the future. But I, I just feel like now this is a wake up call from what happened at Calgary. That teams can't be waiting until like the night, the eleven of uh, the eleventh hour, yeah, uh, the fifty ninth minute of the eleventh hour, or uh, the night before for Johnny Goudreau just to call them and say, you know what, I talked to my family. My family actually told me to take it, but I'm going to say f you guys. And I understand you want to be close to home. I get it. But it's like, if you knew that you want to be close to home, you probably should have told them. Like they offered you basically, they backed up a brain structure to your house and you still said, no, you must have known. Well, in that situation, I think he, ex- he expected that teams would be giving him that or more. Yeah. Like, I, think I feel it was. like he, he thought Calgary is going to give me what was it, 11 million or 12 million or whatever yeah. it was. Something like that. Yeah. And then he thought that if he went to free agency, then like 9, 10, 11 teams would be lining up to give him the same thing. And I think the only team that actually was willing to give him that was New Jersey. Yeah, apparently New Jersey signed, wasn't was in on Johnny, Johnny Goodrow. Tom Fitzgerald oh, no? said that it was like the Petrangelo situation. Apparently Tom Fitzgerald oh, said that he wasn't. But I mean, like, that's just could be out of What did he end up signing in Columbus? It was like it was like nine, nine and a half, something like yeah, that. He, yeah, he got like I think only eighty eighty two million dollars out of seven years. So whatever that is, nine whatever it is. 10, 11. Oh, I think I think that's like eleven. Actually, no, I don't think he got plus. that much. There's no way he got that much. I'll try and look it up quick. But still, like I, I think, think that he got less than what Calgary offered. Seven years. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah. Seven years. What's our? Sixty-eight. Sixty-eight. So that's less than ten million a year. Yeah. Yeah, it's nine point seven. Yeah, so I feel like he he expected eleven teams to line up and just give him these contracts that he wanted, and and nobody did besides Calgary. I thought New Jersey, but if Tom Fitzgerald said New Jersey didn't, then literally nobody but Calgary was offering that contract. So then he was kind of – it reminds me of the Edwin Encarnacion where Toronto gave him the contract offer and he turned it down because he thought other teams would give him that same contract and then two weeks later he had to sign for less because nobody was giving them that contract that Toronto originally had given him. That situation kind of reminds me of the Freddie Freeman situation though. Like I don't necessarily think in the, in the Edwin Encarnacion situation that he, he openly wanted to leave Toronto. 
like Freddie Freeman didn't want to leave the Braves, but his agent. Well, no, 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 but a, I mean the, the money offer. situation seems the money yeah. situation seems similar. Where Toronto gave him more than what he signed for, but somehow he turned it down because he thought he would get that on the open market, and then he didn't. And, and I and I get that, like the NHL teams aren't listening to the media; they're not listening to every Joe Blow saying, "Oh, well, no one wants to play in Canada." Blah blah blah. I get that, but I think that. Again, obviously, the management will know that, but I, I think that that's going to weigh a little bit on management management's uh, decisions in Canada, like Kyle Dubas, like Edmonton, and their situation. Like, if there's a person that's a bigger name coming up to free agency, I think that they're going to be a little bit harder on them and say, "We're not waiting past this date. You're going to give us a an answer, even if it's I don't know, like end of the playoffs, like by the draft. Like, you need to give us an answer so we can shop you because we're not." letting you walk for free, especially a player like Nylander. Anyways, let's get into the final uh, topic here. Oh, um, I'll start off by saying congratulations to the World Juniors team, Team Canada. Um, Mason McTavish, I think you might have risen to like my third favorite hockey player in in the history of life just by stopping that goal on the goal line. And he has a top five play in any tournament, world tournament ever for Team Canada. Yeah, I think I'll remember that just as much as the Jordan Everly one. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's the Paul Henderson goal, there's the Jordan Everly goal, then there's the Mason McTavish save on the goal line. Yeah, that was... An, and then and, there's Sidney the Crosby golden goal. Oh, yeah, yeah. And World Juniors jun, world junior stuff, it's going to be Mason McTavish, Jordan Everly, but the craziest yeah. goal I've ever seen was probably the Sidney Crosby one, one goal. I mean, obviously, I'm, I, I wasn't old enough for the... Uh, whatever it is there. Uh, what was the it? Paul Henderson? Summit Series or whatever, yeah. Yeah, the the Crosby goal was good, but I think the Eberle goal was was crazier. Like the the Crosby goal was a bigger moment, but I feel like the Eberle goal was a crazier moment because there was like three seconds left, and the puck just happened to squirt out of the left defenseman's leg. Yeah, for Jordan Eberle, he was perfectly placed to shoot it in the net. Yeah, he did that backhand, got the goalie drop. Yeah. Still, I think like the craziest thing about the Mason McTavish one is he gave up the puck and then. Like no one, Save no one was there. Yeah, and and he got past the goal. He literally saved it like an inch off yeah. the goal, and like that's nuts. And then to come down, Ken Johnson, one of my favorite, one of my favorite players in that draft, draft class, twenty twenty two or twenty twenty one, snipes it. Worst guy to interview though. When Mark Masters <laughs> interviewed him before the game, like before the game one, and they're like, "So what? What are you thinking for the game?" He's like, "Yeah, for sure. Yeah, uh, dumb a chase. Yeah, for sure." I'm like, "Nice, buddy." <laughs> like. I'm the guy must have asked him like 16 questions. He's just always like, Yeah, for sure. Yeah, we're gonna play hard for sure. Pardon? Columbus can enjoy that. Um, yeah. Uh, so also the world juniors, uh, that's over. There's gonna be another one in December, so be prepared. Also, make sure you're watching the women's world Cha- world hockey championship. It's on till I think September 4th. Uh, I don't know. I think Canada played, I don't know who today, but they did play someone. I got the notification and uh, it looks bad on me because I'm telling you guys to watch it, but I didn't watch it myself. Uh, Finland, they played Finland. Um, and I don't know exactly who's on that team either, but I think Poulin's on that team. And geez, if she's on that team, you know, she's going to be scoring that golden goal game or a golden goal uh, goal. Uh, also her goal when she sniped, that <laughs> was, was the worst put together sentence. The golden goal goal. <laughs> Uh, um, uh, I I think it was last summer, or maybe it was during COVID for sure. And she scored that like snipe, 
I remember and then that one lady uh broke her leg celebrating that was yeah. also pretty intense uh but yeah so we'll just touch on this quickly uh obviously there's a hockey canada scandal going on uh i don't know scott if you want to explain a little bit more uh, not to get into too much detail but i feel like you're the most uh well put together yeah so a quick summary is that there a long-standing history of of sexual allegations whether it's uh, assault or harassment for uh not only hockey but soccer and other other sports as well dating back uh 30 40 50 plus years uh people within the organization people outside the organization um yeah just a long history of of ingrained it seems like ingrained anyway from what i've been reading uh sexual uh, interactions that that weren't necessarily always consensual or or warranted or wanted by the females or sometimes even maybe men involved. Uh, so it kind of put a damper on on Team Canada on a on the world stage and and kind of made everybody pitch. look harder at the yeah and made everybody look harder at the actual culture that that's that's been cultivated within the hockey world. Yeah. So. Um, I saw a couple of people say that they weren't going to watch the World Juniors, like that just happened. Obviously, your your choice was it's over now. Obviously, again, like everyone knows that we just talked about it. But like going forward, don't put the onus on the sixteen year old, seventeen year old kids who are are playing now, unless they have done something. Then yeah, sure. But like a lot of people are saying that like they should fold. They shouldn't be allowed in any tournaments. Yeah, that that might be true. That might be how people feel. That might actually be the end of it. Like someone, we, we might get disciplined as Hockey Canada, but it's not Connor Bedard's fault. It's not Mason McTavish's fault. Like they're there to represent their country. It's unfortunate, and especially it's it's even more unfortunate that people at the top decided to cover it up by using, uh, from what I understand, community funded money that we donate or that you use to pay for your kids to sign up for hockey. And so that's unfortunate, but. Yeah, just uh, keep an eye on that story. Rick Westhead's got that covered. Yeah, and, um, uh, yeah, it, it seems like kind of every week there's something new. Yeah, and so, uh, hopefully that the, the resulting punishment is, is uh, I would not severe, but is, is, is equal to what happened. They don't yeah. just let them off with like a fine or a warning, but there is and, actual punishment handed out to those people who they find out were involved. And there's the 2018 team. If you look up that team, and then you can also look up the players who put out statements. Yeah, I think uh, there's like six that haven't put out a statement. So yeah, so if you play in the NHL and you are a reason for a younger woman at 16 or however old she was to basically hate her life, and then you should have deserved the NHL chance or a chance to play in the NHL. So that should be stripped from and you, similar to Jake Bertanen. Also, yeah. Also, in this instance, I've seen some people with the typical key politics on a sports. Uh, I mean, at, at times you could argue that, but this you can't really keep out of because it's directly involved with the players, with the athletes, with the sport. So for those people saying we don't want politics in sport, I'll rehash with what we usually would say. Politics and sports have gone hand in hand. And in a case this severe, judging from what's been reported already, uh, you don't want to keep this out of the news. You want it in the news and those two those that were the perpetrators involved in the instance and any of the instances that have been talked about, uh, you want them to be punished for it. 
Yes. Um, yeah, so that's it on that. I, I think, like, we're not going to get too far into it. Um, look up res- request heads reports. Uh, and, yeah, it's kind of unfortunate, but it's the world we live in, and we or, uh, we need to change it. So I can't remember his name now, but there was one guy who created a thread on Twitter, yeah. and he has, like, dated back to, like, 1994, all the reported or, or covered-up incidents of sexual assault, sexual harassment allegations for Team Canada or hockey players in, in general. So if you, I mean, you don't have to, but if you do, it's a it's an eye-opening read to know that it's been going on that long and nobody's really cared. And uh, on that note, I'm looking at Kyle, and this guy's falling asleep over here, not because that's not interesting, but because this guy's... Uh, um, he's, he's tired from the baseball games he went to. Yeah, like this guy's just been staying at the ball diamond so long, he just... Hasn't been home in weeks. Yeah. Uh, what's it like to spend all the money that you earn just going to Jay's games? Uh, it's 4-4. Four, four. Oh, this, this guy's even got it like, what, are you sports betting right now? No, he's just looking at score. What inning? Bottom five. Oh, oh you suck. Anyways, um, <laughs> yeah, so just answer this question before I get into the interview with the guest star. What's it like to spend every dollar that you earn just going to the Jays games and just watching them kind of suck ass? Um, Haven't they won well, like six of the last seven? Yeah, but uh, right uh, now he's last, sitting here. The last game that I went to, I actually got the tickets for free. Oh, and did they win? Because I think you might be the curse, they, man. They didn't win. No, that was the only game they lost. Oh, yeah, three sure. Three one. Yeah. I think I think every time they've lost, you've been at the game. You saw you saw like my home game. Right? You saw my Snapchat story. Yeah, yeah. Every time you say like so, you're at Jay's game, I always check your Snapchat because I know that you're gonna be posting some like up close and personal pic with Hazel Hazel May and Arden's Welling. Yeah, I don't like Kevin Barker now. Yeah, yeah. Kevin Barker will kick your ass. Arden's Welling, I don't know, but I think I heard that you said that you love them. So, uh, <laughs> actually, that's exactly what I heard. So I hope that that audio stays in because then everyone else will know and and wherever they're listening that you might love Lauren's Welling. Maybe he listens. Great maybe, maybe we'll see you and be like, what's up, Kyle? He knows his stuff. I'd love to, uh, love to be like him. Yeah. <laughs> I would love to take Lauren's Welling on a date. Okay, so we got uh, our guest star, Justin Bourne. If you don't know, Justin Bourne is a Sportsnet analyst, also on Sportsnet Radio. Um, and he is a co-host on one of the biggest Sportsnet Radio on all of their platforms because Sportsnet Radio has Vancouver, uh, Edmonton, all these different uh, provinces. Um, so, yeah, uh, he, real kid and Bourne, I talk about a lot. He's probably one of my favorite analysts or insiders reporters whatever also the other thing that's uh, vitally important is <laughs> sorry just just draw my mic uh the other thing that's vitally important about justin Bourne is his dad was an islanders legend bobby Bourne, and his father-in-law his late father-in-law who just passed away earlier this season clark gillies he's obviously an NHL great if you haven't looked at him, uh, him up at all look up his hockey fights because that guy just kicked ass two guys at one time, like he just wanted to scrap. I asked Justin Bourne later, you'll, you'll, you'll hear it if he ever talked about Chuck Knuckles. And I think Justin Bourne, just talking about how Clark Gillies was, I think that he might 
even I've been scared to ask Clark Gillies to teach him how to chuck knuckles. So, um, yeah, so this is obviously, as mentioned before, season one, season two, episode one, and we're going to kick it off with a bang. Uh, so listen, if you haven't or don't want to listen, skip the first 45 minutes of this podcast, get right into the Justin Bourne interview, because there is some um, important information that you'll you'll get from that interview. So welcome, Justin Bourne, to the podcast, and we'll be back with you after. Hello. Hey, Justin, how's it going? Good. How about yourself? Good, good. Good. I feel like I've been like catfishing you guys, like I don't exist or something. I just been like, I just watched the Mante Teo doc, and I feel like I'm doing that. I exist. Hello. Yeah, thank you for coming on. Yeah, thanks. You no problem. Appreciate it. Yeah, it's kind of big. I uh, I was telling. I mean, Scott already knows this, but well, Scott Scott's my brother. We have another co-host that can't be here right now, but uh, I was, they I always talk about your guys' show, the Real Kipper and Born Show. Oh, nice. Yeah, I, I listen. To, I mean, I used to. I listen to it every day. Well, we, uh, I just, just found out that Kipper didn't, I was a little worried for a bit, but he got a, he did sign another contract. So we'll be back at it, uh, in October. Ah, you heard it, heard it live on Leafs talk forever. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're back, baby. Are Sorry. you guys, are you guys back at three to five or? Yeah, or, that's, that's yeah. the plan. I don't know. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm not supposed to leak lineup news, but we are back at a oh, sweet. time. Yes. Yes. Because that <laughs> one hour just wasn't enough. No, it's not even enough to get into anything properly. And then, you know, once you do one topic, like the rest of the league gets ignored. So, yeah, no, yeah. Two, two's, we're back to two. So all good there. Well, again, thanks for coming on. We got uh, only a little bit of time with you. So we're going to try and ask uh, as many questions as we can. Get your insight. For sure. Uh, uh, first, uh, why, don't we, why don't you tell us or tell the listeners about yourself? Yeah. Everyone may not know who you are. Yeah, no, um, you know, being at Sportsnet for, for three years now and, you know, my media career is a product of a hockey career that was fairly unsuccessful, but, you know, I played in the minors um, and after that started the blog, um, you know, my own free website, went to the Hockey News and USA Today and kind of started to grow a little bit. And then once the media side got big enough, I got a job with the Marlies. They saw my like systems analysis work and did video coaching in the American League for a couple of years before going back to the media side. So, um, you know, kind of had my, you know, my player side, my coaching side, and then the media side. And it's been, uh, my, my commitment now is, is media. So, um, yeah, I've been enjoying that for three years of sports net now. And, uh, can you confirm that Kyle Dewis is a nice guy? <laughs> yes. He's a wonderful yeah. guy. Yeah, some yeah, people you know, have I, some, uh, weird, weird opinions of him. You know, it's too bad that he like has this, um, reputation is like this numbers calculus nerd that like isn't some free thinking human or something because he really is a hockey guy you know he you know played growing up and you know was with the, the with teams his whole life and then was with the Sioux at 25 like he's been around rinks and in dressing rooms and uh he happens to be good at math and uses some some other metrics but no he's a super good guy the one thing that people don't know as much is just that he's very competitive and fiery and you know, he's got that side of him too, to go with the numbers he side. It's a, it's a pretty healthy mix. Um, I'd say the older he gets, the better off uh, Leafs fans are. Um, That's for sure. So obviously being in Toronto, there's a huge fan interaction on social media, even in public media, whatever. How, how much does that impact like you guys personally 
whether it's the GM, a player, a coach, uh, even in the media, like fans yeah. on Twitter sometimes get ruthless. So like, does, do, do you pay attention to that often or is it kind of like a side thing? You pay attention to it every once in a while. Pay attention to it all the time. Like, you know, as much as people are like, it's just noise, it's secondary. Like it's the noise that dictates at the end of the day, the fans make the decisions of what they listen and watch and whatever. That's what people will make more of. And, you know, if, if same with the hockey team, if there really is an overwhelming majority that wants something a certain way, eventually the fans will get their way. And so for us as a show, you know, as a radio show, we listen and read the tweets and responses and even the ones that aren't very nice and get a sense of, you kind of got to do like a plus minus, like in hockey, if you're on for a whole bunch for and, and, you know, a whole bunch against and it kind of levels out. I would say that's kind of where our show was at at the beginning, where we got a lot of feedback, both positive and negative. And as the show you know, year went on, we really started to improve our plus minus in that category. So uh, that encourages our bosses to keep our show around, which as I mentioned, at the start of the, this here, like, you know, we'll be back another year because people seem to like it. So yeah, if you don't pay attention to what people are saying, man, it's uh, you're going to end up on the wrong side of the, the business. That's for sure. Yeah. I remember at the start, everyone was just ripping Sammy McKee. I know. <laughs> and then at the end, then they wanted to see him on live video. Yeah. You know, I think you had to get to, to know Sam. Like he is so authentic. Like people genuinely like him because he's, you know, he's a everyman hockey guy from Owen Sound. And, you know, he's got his opinions and um, we see him as an equal, you know, not a, just a producer or anything. So, yeah, once people got used to the idea that his opinion is worth respect to and uh, things things improved for the show once so we became almost a three-man show, even though it's just yeah. the two of us on the headlines. At first, I thought it was Ray Ferraro is when I he? first listened. Yeah, I, he sounds like Ray Ferraro to me. I can I tell like, you one thing. We, we can't afford Ray. we got no. enough issues. <laughs> <laughs> we would love to have him, but we were lucky we actually had Ray for a show. Yeah. Uh, thanks to a misunderstanding we'll never get him again like he's a tsn guy somehow yeah. people misunderstood i think he thought we weren't on Sportsnet or something anyway we were just happy to get him and it worked out <laughs> so we enjoyed it yeah and doug mcclain he's on uh doug mcclain i remember one time i argued with doug mcclain on twitter and i was like 11 <laughs> years old and he, he dm me saying send me send me your resume i'm like i'm 11 did that really happen yeah it did yeah yeah i also it was on trade center yeah he was like it was like the year mitch marner i I, maybe i wasn't 11 but i I think it was like the year mitch marner got drafted and he was saying it was too small and i was just like i think he might be dumb for that and then i tweeted (laughs) out like doug mcclain doesn't know what he's talking about and then he just messaged me privately saying listen kid send me your resume i was like obviously you're gonna win (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> and and it's funny because he has that same attitude like when brent gunning was on as on as the host and he was just didn't know his name he just mm. he's just that type of guy good guy hockey knowledgeable yeah. but yeah he's you know doug is doug and doug isn't doesn't compromise for anyone you know i yeah. he, I don't know if he likes me cares about me or knows my name i you know but he comes on our show and people get a kick out of him he gives us a good 20 30 minutes a week yeah. and so yeah keep hammering away i like it <laughs> Yeah. yeah, I like him now. I also never used to really care for Nick Kipros until this show. I used to chirp oh. Nick Kipros on Twitter just because, just because <laughs> it was funny. And then he blocked me and then I'd make a new Twitter account. And then like this year, I just learned so much about him and that he's actually a stand-up guy. And then he donated to our brothers, Jack and Jill, like his company donated like 75 cans of his little Buddha. And nice. 
Yeah, and then I met him, and he was just like giving us encouraging words, like he knew, like he listened every week. It was that's awesome. I guess yeah. it's never judge a book by its cover. Well, for sure, and you did. I think you know I didn't know Nick before we did the show, and I think a lot of people, you know, I like a lot of people see the like brash confidence, and it's like, oh god, this guy's gonna not listen and just overpower me. But I didn't find that at all. You know, a quick story on that is you know when they announced our show. Uh, they announced the name of the show, you know, where they announced it internally, they announced the name of the show was Nick Kiprio, uh, you know, the real Kipper with Justin Bourne. And I was like, hmm, I was kind of sold that, it, you know, we were going to be equals in this, not it was Nick's show with me. And so I said to Nick, without even really knowing him, like, you know, I'd like it to be and Justin Bourne, you know, with that, you know, I think that, you know, real Kipper and Bourne. And he was like, you know, listen, man, it's not about me, you know, we're going to be a team, we're going to be, you know, tied at the hip, if you want, you know, if you, you feel better being presented that way it's good by me so right away we got off on a good good you know I had a little ego there but I also thought it was fair and Nick listened to me and so yeah I I didn't know what to expect but a good impression right away and you know we worked pretty well all year yeah the moment that I really turned from you is when he basically read out one of the reviews of Sammy McKee and then in a roundabout way told the guy off for like on, on air just said like Sammy's opinion matters and I was like, oh, yeah. maybe it's, I have the same opinion as you. It's like, this guy's coming from his career. He's probably going to just take over the show. But yeah, it's, it's yeah. I was surprised. I, I really like it. I actually miss listening to all those podcasts because there's nothing on. Yeah, no, we're, and we're excited to get back at it too. Nick's got a, he's taking his daughters to like Clemson or something like, so I haven't been in touch with them much, but we're going to start the show planning and what we're going to do for this season coming up soon. So yeah, it feels like it's almost that time, right? Like September is like, okay, well, we're getting yeah. almost back to the good stuff here. Well, I got a question for you about some good stuff. Uh, Patrick yeah. Kane rumors to Toronto. Apparently William Nylander is said to be going the other way. What do you think about that? <laughs> you know, I, I, I honestly, man, I've been out of touch with hockey stuff and I had someone send me this, you know, like, what do you think of this? Um, you know, I think any GM is not worth the salt if you don't feel out, you know, he's going to be available at the deadline, presumably Patrick Kane. So can't blame a GM for reaching out. So I don't know if there's much of a story there that like Dubas, you know, reached out, but yeah, you know, you got to do something different. You got to ha- have an open mind. And I, I don't think it's anything. I don't think there's much to it at all personally, but I think it's hard to miss it here in Toronto, the Kawhi Leonard thing, you know, you went out and you traded someone that was a big piece of what you were doing and tried to get better. You know, are you better with Kane than Nylander? Yeah. Does that, you know, is there a lot of salary? Who knows what has to happen? I haven't put a ton of thought into it, but yeah, there's more to it, but yeah, I I mean, it sounds far-fetched, but I'm glad to hear that they're sniffing around. Why not? Right. Yeah. Yeah. I like, I like Nylander better, but I think Patrick Kane and Matthews would work well. Yeah, I, I like I like Nylander better, and I am not an anti Nylander guy for his value, his contract. I think he's he's great. He's great. He's just there's a ceiling that you know that you're probably at, and I don't know. If, I don't know. I'm with you. I, I'm a Nylander guy, but I you know you always got to have your ears and eyes open for ways to get better. That's true. And with that being said, Sammy McKee read your uh, read your tweet about. Calgary being like a what was it some about a breakup in your your mid 20s or something like that on air and I, I wanted to ask <laughs> I wanted to ask do you think Calgary got better or or worse I think they're better I think they're definitely better 
but you know as my totally random tweet kind of implied it's it's like they got dumped and now they're they're you know like well but i have a corvette and a you know a race car bed and a you know hot blonde girlfriend now like they just kind of went out and got everything they could right now to look as good as possible right now in the wake of you know the um kachuk thing happening and they're great but again cadre's what 32 at the start of this deal yeah. you know like hugh huberto is maybe doesn't have quite the edge he gets as many points as uh, sorry doesn't have quite the edge as kachuk like i think they're better this year for sure i just don't know that it's the best thing for the franchise and is it enough to make them cup you know, contenders, may, maybe it is. Maybe they're in that echelon for a year or two. So it's one of those things. You know, if you win, you look like a genius. If you don't, you're, I think they're in trouble a couple of years down the road. I think Codger versus McDavid will be good this year. Oh, yeah. And that's, Kane. That's great. And like, you know what kills me? Three Battle of Alberta matchups this year. The Flames only play the Oilers three times all season. They need to scrap the whole schedule and rebuild it. <laughs> it's insane to me that those two teams are only going to play three times. I, I haven't division. looked at the Leafs, but uh, I wonder how many times they play Montreal versus how many times they play Arizona, because that seems to be a draw for the yeah. NHL as Matthews playing in Arizona. Yeah, it's, it's I'm sure they're going to get there. One you know, if that. anything, if, if you're the Leafs, you want Matthews to go play in that college rink as many times yeah. as possible just to remind him how much it's going to suck there and how much he shouldn't want to be a part of it. <laughs> are you on? Uh, are you on board of him leaving or staying? I think he stays like, you know, he's a superstar. This is where you play. If you want to be a, as big a star as possible in hockey, you know, he can, you know, if he, if they win a cup here, I know everyone says that, but like it's reality. You want a cup here, you're the guy forever. And you know, it, it can be a launching. If he wants to do other things in his career, he can make all the contacts here. He can be the guy. The only argument I'll hear from that angle is that LA could do something like that for him. But I, I don't know. Are you competitive or not? Like if you're competitive, you want to be in Toronto, play in Toronto for the Maple Leafs, be the captain of the Maple Leafs at some point, be the guy, you know? So I think he's the guy. I think he's got that fire to him. Um, and to me, it'll be defining for what people think of him. If he decides not to do that, I think that'll be defining about what his priorities were. And I think they're winning. We'll see. What about the Rangers? Cause I know there's rumors now that he might go to the like Rangers, similar situation to Toronto with their classic team. Yeah. They're like the the city in the States. If you win a Santa Cup in New York, you're going to be the guy too. Yeah, would, would that be a draw for him to, to steal him away from Toronto? For sure. Yeah. Like that, that's the other case, I suppose. Yeah. LA and then the Rangers are there too. Um, I, you know, I guess I kind of wrote them off just thinking about their salary and who it's committed to and how impossible you know, it would that's be true. for them to make that happen. But yeah, it's, I think that, you know, on the short list of places you could see him ending up, that would be one of them. Um, you know, if, <laughs> I still think Toronto's the best spot for him, but they're going to have to show that they're going to be competitive during the, his next contract, you, you know, to, to make him want to be a part of it. Yeah. And uh, Spumbo, New York, what was it like having a, an Islanders legend as a dad? You know, it, it didn't really get cool, I think, until I was old enough to appreciate it. Because growing up, like all your friends' dads are Islanders players, too. You know, like we were kind of around that as a young kid. So, um, you know, when my dad got inducted into the Islanders Hall of Fame in 2005 or six, whichever year it was, um, that I think that's when I started putting more time into appreciating what it was. And, 
you know, the, those Islander years and connecting, you know, old enough to like, you know, have a drink with some of the, his old teammates and talk about those years. And, you know, you get a sense for what a, what a team they were. And I don't mean on the ice. I just mean like, there's no salary cap. Not many people really knew what each other made. They were just like a group that was meant to be together and no reason they couldn't be together. And they stayed together for as long as they could before, you know, they, they didn't win enough to, to justify it. So cool like really cool to to just get to hear the stories after the fact and I never felt any pressure or anything on the playing side uh because of it so yeah I would say I more or less I reap the rewards but um yeah it's uh, pretty cool I'm, I'm a lucky guy in that way uh what about with Bridgeport was there any even from fans was there any kind of pressure there because obviously your dad was an Islanders legend Bridgeport yeah, yeah no not no pressure you know, I kind of thought, and if I'm being completely honest, I kind of thought there would be more, I guess, like, hey, that's Bob Bornson. Let's let's give him a chance or something. But it's, you know, people are fighting for jobs. Like, it's, yeah. you know, I, I, I don't, I think because of the way I grew up in terms of as a player, I was never great. I was never top prospect. I was never drafted. Anything I did was kind of gravy. Expectations were really low for me. I think there are more people rooting for me to not embarrass myself than they were thinking I had a serious chance to play well. And then I think I went there and played really well and surprised some people and made them go, Oh, like, actually, do we maybe want this guy around for, you know, more than we expected to. And, um, but no, I, I never felt it from anyone that like, I, you know, had to do this or play a certain way. It just, you know, it, it was all a positive experience. Um, I have a book coming out in February that covers a lot of these sort of years and feelings and all that. And um, I'm grateful for my time there as, as short as it was, you know, that's actually kind of cool to hear. Cause usually you hear stories of sons of famous NHLers or even just NHLers. And they're always talking about how you have to live up to the expectations of your dad or, or the pressures that come with it. So it's, it's cool to hear a story finally of there wasn't really that pressure. They kind of just were happy you were there and, and wanted you to play for them. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, again, this, you know, it's a, it's a, a convoluted story at times with that, you know, those relationships and, you know, my interest in hockey and following in my dad's footsteps and all that. But yeah, pressure was certainly not one of the things I, I felt as a player again, cause I didn't prioritize hockey until I was old. Yeah, I was like 15 years old when I was playing like Bantam B whatever. And all of a sudden I grew six inches and everyone was like, Oh, <laughs> I have a little bit of interest at that point. So yeah, not being a superstar young, I think uh, lowered the expectations enough that I could clear the bar. When did you meet your wife? Cause your wife, for those who don't know is Clark Gilly's daughter, our yeah. condolences to the family as well. Um, and he's uh, not only a legend in the Islanders community, but also in the NHL in general. Yeah. So was there any pressure of, of letting him down or? Yeah. <laughs> more than your dad i think so yeah you know like so when my dad got inducted into the islanders hall of fame that's when i stayed with the gillies because my dad and clark were such good friends and that's when i kind of re-met brianna we had been next door neighbors as kids but kind of re-met her um and that kind of started up we've been together since roughly around then four months after that or something so um you know that i he lived in Long Island, right? Like Clark was there and he was, my dad was in Kelowna, BC. Clark was connected with the team. And, you know, I don't think many people know that Clark like interviewed for the Islanders head coaching job, like not that long before that, like it was, he was entwined in the community. And so I knew he hears more of the rumbles and, you know, I, 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 fe I felt more 
obligation, I think, not obligation, but hopeful to not let him down, you know, to, to keep to impress him a little bit um, on that side of things. And, you know, he, he was just such a, a great supporter of mine, you know, as a player from, from day one, I was, I was really grateful to it, but I did for whatever reason, I think just cause Clark Long Island was still home. I didn't want to, I was staying at the Gillies house when I was like going to main camp and all that. So I didn't want to like come home with my tail tucked between my legs uh, to someone who wouldn't have smiled upon that. So. Did he ever teach you how to throw knuckles or? <laughs> <laughs> no, man. I was never, I wasn't going to do it. Like if I, if I ever thought it was purely out of necessity or to, you know, make sure my teammates thought I knew I was willing to do it if I had to, but no, that was never going to be a part of my game that was going to help me out very much. I mean, it would have been a cool mentor to have. Teach you, yeah. You know, in, in retrospect, I should have asked him a couple questions, but uh, I have a feeling he wouldn't have been able to tell me how to be 6'3, I think there was one story I believe you told it of like, wasn't there a time where he was like on the ice getting his face pounded in and still got up and won the fight? Yeah, or, was, well, or wasn't it the time that he fought two people? Yeah, there, there's a couple of fights where he like he fights a guy, but he's not, not the guy he wants to fight. And you can see him <laughs> almost like fighting off to the side while trying to get to the other guy and then like throwing people aside. Just, you know, he, he had that, you know, it was a different league then. And he had what you needed mentally that just, you know, won't genuinely want to pound people who wanted to beat his team. So, hey, that's part of part of his legend, right? Yeah, that's true. Um, you mentioned your book. What's the, why well, you said it's coming out in February. Do you have a title yet or? Yeah, it's called down and back, which is a good hockey term for, from practice, but also relates to some, uh, you know, some personal experiences in there. Um, you know, we, I haven't talked about some of this stuff publicly yet, so I, I kind of got to hang on to a little bit, but it is my story through the years. Um, you know, I tried to talk on, hockey's hot hot button issues using kind of my own chronology like as I encountered drugs in the minors alcohol as I encountered what concussions can do to my my dad's um you know like 99% sure he's got CTE and lasting effects of that um so a lot of it is just like using my own playing timeline to discuss some of the bigger issues in hockey and you know where that leaves us, you know, because hockey culture gets killed, you know, and rightfully so in many cases, but there's also a lot of good, right? And so I hope it's a little bit of a validating story for for hockey in that I don't blame hockey for the bad things to have happened to me or to my family, but there's no doubt it plays a role. So I I just tried to take a a look at some of that stuff, you know. Is 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 that discussed in locker rooms? Like I know CT hasn't been around for a while or like it's a relatively new, but like, is that a big topic of discussion in locker rooms or do people just kind of not worry about it until later in the careers or in life or. It's a good question. No, I I don't think that, you know, I think it would come up here and there. Like you're right that when I played, it was certainly not as prevalent, discussed, whatever, you know, I think generally when you go into a contact physical sport, you're accepting of the damage. You know, if you ask my dad today, is the damage he incurred worth what it gave him? He'll tell you, yes, what it gave him was hell in many ways. He's got some tough, you know, situations that he deals with on a day-to-day basis because of that. But, you know, his career in life has been defined by what happened on the ice with those Islanders teams and, you know, what it gave our family and what 
has been passed down to my son now. And like, it's, he would say it's worth it. So I think most players believe that the trade-off of what you can get out of it is worth it. If you get there, um, obviously not everyone gets there. Most people don't get there. And that's why you end up with people going, well, she had all I got is this brain damage for my troubles and it's a problem. So, um, yeah, it's, it's a dicey moral issue, but if we're going to accept people playing these sports and the players themselves accept it, it's just going to be a part of it. And with, with your father-in-law being Clark Gillies, what is your take on fighting in in today's society or today's game? Like, are you still for it? Yeah, no, I am. I am still for it. I, you know, it's relevance is so different, you know, like I, I, I think it's, I love it. Like personally, I love it. Um, I love watching it. And like, I do believe that, you know, that intimidation factor is still so real. That's such a big part of the game. Um, You know, it's a war to get the hockey puck and, you know, being scared of someone who, if you wrong them can do that to you is, is a real element and always has been. I don't think it has as much to do with the, you know, the game as it used to. And I also don't think that it's necessary to take it out because it's kind of weaning itself out except for necessary cases, you know, like, you know, the, the decline of fighting is real, but, you know, having it be sort of the nuclear option there for players and teams is still, I I still think provides an entertainment element. If you look at the way U S hockey fans have followed the sport, I would argue that the declines in some of the prevalence of hockey is, is mirrored with a decline of some of the violence. I think people liked it. So it's got to be an entertaining sport too. You know, you got to sell tickets. So I think it's a part of the game and I, I enjoy it. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm still a knuckle dra- dragging Neanderthal in this one. <laughs> um, I'm going to bring this question back to least related here for a second. So I know that you guys talked a lot about the decor on the real Kipper and Bourne. Um, radio show we aren't the biggest supporter of justin hall could you give us your opinion on what do you think the least could win with their core now uh taking out sandine because he's not signed yet right you know the leafs you know it's i can't imagine looking at that tampa bay series they just played and say that leafs team can't win like you know they they can win. They beat them three times. They went to overtime. They went to game seven. They put, you know, they were, they were right there in a, in a sport where one random bounce and you're through. And I know it's a simple ifs and buts where candies and nuts every day would be Christmas, that whole thing. But they are a team that can hang with the best teams in the biggest moments. I think we've seen that from them. Um, you know, Tampa goes on and they play in the Stanley cup final again. This is the sleeves team is not that far off, right? They're, they're not a massive overhaul for being good. They were really, really good. So yeah, I do believe in the decor. Now that said, Justin Hall did everything he could to get to the NHL to play at the NHL level. And during his peak of his athletic years, I think he gave the Leafs really good quality play a guy who's not really an NHL guy or, you know, worked his way there for a couple of good seasons as he declines at all, or maybe his motivation flags at all or whatever it is. Like he's, he's not what the Leafs may need. The thing is he's still, he's so cheap and can you better use that money? The the hall question is a great question about, you know, stats versus 
you know, I, I understand watching Justin Hall. It's like, oh, <laughs> like hit him, fight him, punch him, like get in there, do something. But like, you look at the numbers and, you know, and I used to, he played for the Marlies and I was a video coach and we'd look at the numbers and I'd go back and watch his re- retrievals on, on dump ins. He gets the puck out of the zone. He pokes it to someone who breaks it out right before he gets run over. He takes a hit and, you know, shields the puck to keep the puck in the least possession. He does all this little stuff that's just like, I think I did, I wrote one article on it and clipped a bunch of video where it's like, did Justin Hall play great? No, but watch this. Every time he goes back for the puck, it goes the other way. So I know he's not uh, aesthetically pleasing, but man, he he can hang on. He, he does some good things for the Leafs. I don't know if he's going to be good for him going forward or not. I don't even know what to expect, but I know that he has validated himself on that Leafs team in the past. It's nice to get your opinion on, on this because obviously like you were one, one or two years, maybe good years away from making the NHL and me and Scott have a play combined zero games on ice. So, <laughs> so from, from that perspective, I just have a quick question because most of the time we're just what we see on Twitter, what we see on TV and you're more in, like the background of the news channels or even like of the sports, you have connections in the teams with the moves Toronto made in the off season. Is there actually like a big panic for the team? Cause on Twitter, on social media, even on the day of free agency, they were like, the goaltending isn't good enough to win. This team will be lucky to make the playoffs, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Is there actually that panic or is that just for TV to draw viewers? Yeah, no, there's, there's never for TV to draw viewers in my experience. Like, uh, honestly, I can't, I, there was not a single day this year where we were like, do we think this? No, but we should say it. Cause people listen like legit, like never once happened. You know, there's times where you're like, you go in and you say something to each other with off air. It's like, I gotta tell you guys something. Like I think Alex Kerfoot sucks. I'm I, we never said that i'm just I, like that might be something someone might come in off air and say and it's like what you actually think that and they say yeah well here's why i watched him do this that and the other thing and it's like you know what people might think that's in you know that's incendiary it's a hot take or whatever but i think you can back that up maybe you should say it on the air like that's the only time you get a hot take to air you know in general you know it's Nick and I barely talk before the show anymore when we first started the show we did but now we like go over the the header like the main topic all right we're going to talk about the third period or the Leafs D or whatever because we used to do the show off the air and I'd be like I like Justin Hall and he'd tell me I'm wrong and I'd tell him why and we'd do the whole show off the air and then we'd go on the air and we would try to like redo it you know like we we're acting mm-hmm. and so we try to keep it authentic by not giving each other our opinions on that we'll even watch a big hit and I'll come in and be like what'd you think of that and I'll be like tell you on the air all right you know, like that's, you know, kind of how we try to keep it fresh for, for on the air, but no. So in regards to that, I don't think anyone would do it just for ratings or attention or clicks or whatever it may be. But I do. So I do think that there is some nervousness like Matt Murray. I haven't, I haven't really got a chance to talk about this Matt Murray stuff yet. Uh, and I need to put some more thought into it, but Matt Murray, Matt Murray. <laughs> that's <laughs> so, what we said too. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe there's, Maybe there's something I'm missing here. I need to do a little bit more research on this before I go on the proper radio and do it. But boy, seems like a dicey plan to me. Um, I don't know how much longer we have with you. So I do want to ask you uh, two questions. One, uh, what advice would you have for your 15 year old self? 
Like if you could tell them what you know now about hockey. Yeah. That's great. I actually really like that, that question um, because a lot of things, uh, my 15 year old self was still playing hockey and I would tell him to, to lift weights and care and try like all the off ice stuff really matters. And I think I was pretty good at hockey. Like just, I had a good brain. Like I could just score goals because I knew where to be a lot of the time. And even until my second year of college, like I would still like eat an ice cream sandwich during the day. And like, I don't feel like napping today. And like, I just wish I had taken it more seriously, given it an honest effort to see what my maximum could have been instead of just being like, oh, I'll just think my way around it. So uh, yeah, I, I think I would have pushed myself to focus on off the ice. Cause now you only have pros in the NHL. Like there's maybe a, a guy, a team who doesn't take great care of themselves or doesn't care as much. Like there's too much money at stake uh, and guys are just pros, man. They, they lift and train and it's a, it's a business now. So I wish I'd focus more on that. Um, and my other question to you is for those, we have a lot, I know we have a, well, not a lot. I shouldn't say a lot, but I know we have some people who are surrounded personally to us that listen to this podcast that are children or, or middle-aged teenagers. What advice would you give to them if they can't make it at hockey? For example, in your situation, you turn to sports writing and now on mm-hmm. one of the biggest podcasts or radio shows there is. Well, what advice would you give them? I don't know. I, I feel like I grew up late, like because I played at age 26, you know, uh, you know, 27, even though no, 26. And then I started trying to figure out my future after that. You know, I feel like now, like I'm, I turn, I'm 39 now. I turned 40 this December. My daughter's two. Like I had kids late, you know, we found a house late. Uh, in general, I guess I'm going to keep with the theme of advising my younger self last time was just that like, you're going to want a house at some point, right? Like, probably, you know, like, what are the work backwards from that? Like, what do you need to do to save that much money? You know, okay, well, you got to get a job. Well, what do you do to get a high paying job? Well, you got to go to school. You know, like, I I just, I was kind of aimless, I feel like, and I was like, I don't know, maybe I'll just shoot in the net a lot. And then I'll be in the NHL. And, you know, like, it just didn't work out till I was like, shit, I need a real plan. So, you know, as, as much as it's good to have an open mind and experience the world and all that, and part of that, that could be a part of your plan. But I would just say, what, what is your plan to get to, you know, when you see yourself at my age at 39 years old, where do you want to be? What's it look like? And then work backwards from there. Yeah, I, I find that that happens a lot with like, even our nephew, he, he thought he was like, he was just destined for the NHL. Yeah. Like not even in any bad way. He just was a goalie. He was good at it, but a better, like, I guess a better goalie than some advanced age groups. And now he's reached a point where he's going into, I think grade 10 or 11 plays high school hockey and he's got a backup plan obviously it's just like there's so much pressure to play hockey when you play it if you're good at it and and people don't think that there's other avenues like sports reporting and all these other like management scouting all these different things so i just curious kind of get your take because you went through that and now you're working for sportsnet making the big bucks and (laughs) yeah (laughs) what's cool is like you do find that like, you know, you have a group of friends and everyone goes out and starts in careers and like, you know, kind of lower end jobs and then they work their way up. And then like, as you get older and like all of a sudden I'm the age I am, like my friends have some kind of high up jobs at some places. And like those contacts end up being the people who, you know, run places. And so 
that like networking angle is important too, you know, like get, get to know people and chat and, you know, I, I think this sort of stuff is great. Just like get to know people. And, and all of a sudden, 10 years later, you're like, yeah, I've, I've got a guy I know who does this and he can help me. This guy's a corporate lawyer and I'm trying to start a business. And I don't know, it's just helpful to get to know people too. So putting yourself out there and making relationships is important. And that's it from you, Scott. You got anything else? Uh, no, I, I'm, I was just kind of basing what was said. Question popped in my head. Uh, but no, yeah, I don't have any other questions. We, well, we do want to thank you, though. Like it yeah. was completely yeah. shot in the dark. You're like yeah. one of my, you're one of my favorite reporters. So when I when I told him that I was gonna message you, I didn't expect a response. And I think you responded like eleven hours later. And I was like, oh, I was at work. I was like, oh shit, what's this? <laughs> and then you agreed okay. to come on. I was like, like this is the biggest podcast episode we've ever had. That's so awesome. I mean, we've only been like, like we have no connections. So. We at least have one, but this is it. Yeah, this is it, man. That's the only thing you do. That's what's so great about social media now is, you know, just, you know, as you say, shooting your shot and get to know people uh, and build it up from there. So best of luck to you guys, man. Appreciate you having me. Yeah. Thank you, Justin. Thank you. And take care. Best of luck. And remember to buy his book when it comes out in February. That's right. All right. Thanks guys. Good luck. Thank you, Justin. Later fellas. Bye. Uh, Justin Bourne. Thank you for coming on. Me and Scott had a great time interviewing him. Great guy. Sometime in September, Real Kipper and Born is coming back. He did say on that pod or on that recording that Nick Kipper's side. I think that was breaking news, and, by the way. Yeah, that might have been breaking news on, on our podcast. Just, yeah, just putting so, it out there. Do, 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 do. Breaking news. Kyle, hit it. Rising up. Yeah, he's got none going back on. on the street. Yeah, this guy's just over here, like one hand <laughs> over his chair. Like, oh, look at these guns. What, spaghetti noodles? Relax, buddy. <laughs> Any, anyways, uh, hey, pipe cleaner, settle down. <laughs> Justin Bourne, thank you for coming on. We, yeah, we loved you. having you on. We actually want to have you on again. We talked to you after, or we'll talk to you after about coming on um, again, probably closer to the end of the season because you will be busy with with uh broke Kipper and born which is way more important than this podcast and also down and back i believe is uh coming out february february if you if you want to buy that i would guy seems to have a very interesting story coming from heritage of his own dad being bobby born and also he didn't mention it on the podcast but he has mentioned it before justin born was a baby inside the stanley cup like when his dad celebrated he celebrated with putting justin born in the stanley cup which is crazy to be one year old and sitting in the Stanley Cup. We all didn't have that experience, so super cool. But yeah, thank you for coming on. Um, we're going to definitely try and get you on again, and we're going to try and get other guest stars on because that was a very cool experience to talk to, um, I guess, famous people or former athletes. Anyway, so we'll wrap it up here. Oh, we also have very uh, exciting news coming. We're going to leave that with you. Think about what it could be. Uh, we got some good stuff coming. Peace, dogs. Have a good night. Remember to donate, subscribe to our podcast, and uh, make fun of Kyle on Twitter. <laughs> this guy barely uses his Twitter account, but I saw that he changed his profile picture. So sweet. Only took it four months, five months, six months, whatever it was. Okay, DM this guy if you have any issues with what he said about Kadri, because I'll be DMing him probably tonight. When this podcast comes out, back like, you suck, bit uh, b- buddy. <laughs> um. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
we're splitting. Hey, Kyle, why don't you shut up over there about Twitter? Don't care. <laughs> yeah. like, oh, I just turned them on. Like, what are you saying over there, Kyle? This guy's so this guy's shaking his boots because people are gonna be ripping him about Nazem Godfrey. I'm waiting. All right. Huh? I'm waiting. I'm waiting. All right. I think that you might get one. The podcast hasn't gone out yet. Yeah, the podcast isn't getting released <laughs> yet. Yeah, I'm gonna get one before the podcast is even done because you're you're gonna send me one. <laughs> Who? You. you. I don't even you just know said I, you would. I don't you even know if I would. follow you on Twitter, man. Like I typed in Kyle, would. and every other Kyle in the history of life came up besides you. Kyle Gillies. Not Gilly. It's Gillies. It's the same <laughs> last name as, as a legend. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I know. I was just trying to joke with you. Spelled this, the same way and everything. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear. I'm sorry that you guys had to hear this guy be such a crybaby. Like he's just sobbing over here. Like, sorry, man. How do you say our last name? Lazari. Oh nope. man, it's the same as a famous athlete. Like, no, it's not, <laughs> even, not even close, buddy. Uh, yeah, I can't. Really, I'm I'm good to say Lazari. Hey, Kyle, I don't think you follow me on Twitter. You only you only follow Ken Rosenthal. Wait, did I say Kent? Yeah. Can we end <laughs> the podcast here? <laughs> yeah. Anyways, all right. Have a good night, everyone. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You're not gonna say go Jays go. Good day, Scott.